Welcome to ADHD SOS. We've heard your call, and don't worry, help is on the way. This is the only podcast that combines mindset skills, cognitive psychology, and the motivational pep talks you need to beat procrastination and achieve peak performance. Join me, your host and fellow ADHDer, Tina L., as we journey from SOS to smooth sailing. Welcome back, SOS Squad. Today, today we are tackling ADHD to-do list overwhelm. Like we are going to look at our list and we are going to be like, I got this. I got this. None of that like dread feeling. Oh, I'm so over that. Let me be honest, actually, about a little struggle that I have, which is that for the longest time, I have felt like I am two different people. There is the Tina who is the dreamer of big dreams. She is this part of me that is so ambitious and excited about what I can do. And she wants to do all the things. And she makes these lists that are like, holy wow. Like, not only is that not possible in a day or a week, but like, we're talking lifetime. (laughs) Like, it is insane. It's inspiring. It's exciting. But then there is the other Tina. The other other Tina has to receive this list and she is like what the F? Like what the actual F? I have to sit down on a Monday morning with a stomach ache and not enough sleep and I have to make sense of this freaking list that is just insane I mean really really other Tina yesterday Tina what were you thinking I don't want to do any of these things how Did she rope me into this again? Like, really, how did she do it? (laughs) And how do I get out of this? Why can't I just live life on easy mode? Where is that easy button? I want it. Please give it to me. I have to reconcile those two people inside of me. And I have this hunch that maybe you have those two people inside of you too, because the truth is ADHD brains share a lot in common. Overwhelm is kind of predictable for so many reasons. And part of it is that it's difficult for us to make reasonable estimations about what we can do and how long things should take and what's actually the most important and where do we start and how do we break down the steps? I mean, Overwhelm is kind of predictable when you think about it. So in this episode, we are going to talk about the cause of ADHD overwhelm, which I just alluded to. It's in our brains. That easy button, where to find it. And this one question that I am obsessed with that helps me simplify any set of tasks. And I'm going to share a bulletproof ADHD-friendly system for creating, evaluating, and executing on your to-do list. So, let's go. All right, the cause of ADHD overwhelm. We know that ADHD is an executive function disorder, and executive functions, those are our mental processes that allow us to prioritize sequence tasks and break those tasks 
down into smaller steps. Among other things, I have in the past compared this to an orchestra conductor. And those things like prioritizing, sequencing, breaking things down, those are the musicians. And that person, the orchestra conductor, who would be bringing all of these elements into harmony, ours has like left the building or at least like taken a a little break. (laughs) Some days are worse than others, but because that conductor is not at the stand and is not on point, we need to externalize. We need to take those automatic mental processes and make them visible and make them tangible, bring them outside of ourselves so that they are more available to us. Because these mental processes and neurotypicals, these are like invisible and automatic. And that's not the case for us. Basically, anytime you have multiple or competing obligations, you call on your brain's executive functioning to sort through the weeds and figure it out. Overwhelm paralysis, that kind of overwhelm that stops us in our tracks and makes us feel like, well, this is just too much and I'm just not here for it. I am just not, this is not happening. That paralysis happens when our brains don't know how to solve a problem because either it's unclear where to start, it's new, it's complex, or the individual steps aren't clear. When any of those elements are present, those are conditions that really challenge our executive functions. Those are reasons why we would need a conductor. That is the use of the conductor. (sighs) That is their job and they're not around. The other big reason why overwhelm happens is because of our expectations of what can be accomplished in a certain amount of time. This is in large part due to the executive function deficit of time awareness and planning. As I alluded to before, there's like the yesterday me who put too much on my plate for today me. And now today me has to somehow navigate that overly ambitious to-do list. Whereas yesterday me was focused on the results I wanted, today me is now overwhelmed about how to possibly execute on that vision. I'm just like, how? How? Please. And why? Come on. Give me a break here. Okay, let's talk solutions. This is a system for ending the to-do list overwhelm. The first step is that we just have to get it all down on paper. Overwhelm is a clear sign that your brain is messy and we need to make sense of what's going on in there. Our brains are not good places to be holding our to-do list or even those little nagging things that you're still like, oh yeah, oh this, oh yeah, oh that oh, I'll remember. No, you're not going to remember. And even if you are, well, that's just taking up space in your brain that we need for other things. So let's brain dump everything we can think of that we have to do onto paper so that we can sort it out. Anything that you get down on paper that can be put on a to-do list in a very clear way, like where you know exactly what the end goal is, Let's do that. And then anything that could go on a calendar, you know exactly when and where you're going to do this thing. We're going to put that on a calendar. Number two, recognize your thoughts about the list and recognize that these thoughts are not 
facts. So this is a little bit of a brain buster, but I'm going to say it. Your to-do list is neutral. It does not cause your feeling of overwhelm. I know, I know. When I first heard this concept, I was kind of affronted by it. I was like, well, you haven't seen mine. (laughs) I mean, is it really fair for you to say that? I mean, you don't know me. You don't know my list. My list, it's freaking insane. But the truth is that it's my thoughts that are causing that feeling. The to-do list is a piece of paper with some words on it. (laughs) That's all it is. And the truth is that when we really know that and we really recognize that, there's so much freedom. There's so much freedom. And I like to think about, and this is in no way to minimize our obligations or what we have on our plate. It's just important to understand the way that our brain can play tricks on us and the way that we can get back in control. I like to think of, you know, Elon Musk would not be overwhelmed by my to-do list. He is reinventing the car. He is creating consumer-focused rocket ships, and he's mining his own uranium. He's not overwhelmed by my to-do list. Of course, he's neurotypical and maybe insane and maybe a robot or an alien. I don't know, but it is proof that it is not the to-do list in itself that is causing my overwhelm, and there's a different way that I can think about it. And when I realize that at the end of the day, overwhelm is just a story that I'm telling myself, like, I have so much to do, I'll never get it done, this feels impossible. When I realize that that's the story I'm playing, I realize that I could tell a better story. Like, I am capable. I have figured this out. There have been times where I have had more on my plate and I figured it out. I changed it up. I found tools. I found a different way of thinking about it. It showed me that I was capable of doing either more or doing things differently. Want to know an awesome ADHD hack? Become a follower of the show and new episodes will be served to you automatically when they become available. No need to remember to have to go looking for new episodes. Fresh survival strategies will be delivered straight to the homepage of your favorite player. On Spotify, click on the name of the show and click follow under the picture of me. And on Apple Podcasts, click on the name of the show, click on the three dots on the right-hand side and select follow. I can't wait for you to join the SOS squad. And the third way of ending to-do list overwhelm is, oh, this, this is my favorite. This, is, this has a special place in my heart. What if this were light and easy? And somehow, when I ask myself this question, my brain unlocks all of these other ways of going about things. When my brain is telling me this feels hard, and I ask it, well, what if it were light and easy? I'm like, ooh, (laughs) well, that sounds good. Okay, yeah, (laughs) let's make it light and easy. Let's make it a game. Let's make it fun. This is the best way I know to reconcile the part of me who's writing the to-do list, the yesterday me, and the part of me that actually has to do the to-do list, the today me. 
I get to be ambitious about making the list. But when I execute on it, I do it in easy mode. Light and easy. That's the way I like it. It's not a hypothetical question. I actually stop and think, what could make this really feel easy breezy? And usually the answer is one of these next five things. So these next five things, this is the recipe for light and easy. So number one is constrain and prioritize. Constrain to the things that will move the needle so that it's super obvious where to get started. Now, this is an executive function and it really can play to our weakness if we try to keep these things in our brain. And so the idea is that we ask these questions to take the concept out of our brains and actually figure it out. So A, what is your main goal right now today? The main goal. Like, I know there's many. All of us have many goals, many areas of life we're trying to make progress, make change, achieve things. But what is the what is like the really real deal for you today? And then what thing if done would move the needle on that main goal? For example, for me right now, my main goal is this podcast. And in order to make sure that this podcast got recorded, I let go of a lot of other things. To be honest, I canceled a dentist appointment. I knew that I needed to be clear. I knew I needed less. I knew that I needed to have just very little on my plate to be able to do something that is new and challenging, which is what this podcast is. It's totally new to me. And that means that I can't have like a full pack schedule where I need to be a lot of places at a lot of different times. And it's just, no, I'm clearing my plate. I'm clearing the day. Of course, I have other goals and of course I need to get my teeth cleaned at some point, but I I realized I needed to say, I needed to commit to what is the main goal? What is really going to move the needle for me today? So moving the needle is about what we say yes to, but how about what are we saying no to? Oliver Berkman wrote this book called 4,000 Weeks, and the premise is that we have 4,000 weeks on this planet. And when we think about that, it makes a lot of us kind of uneasy. And I think the natural instinct is that we would want to do more. Like, oh my God, I only have 4,000 weeks. I need to get busy. I have a lot of things to do. I need to achieve. I need to go, go, go. And I think that's a, a cultural thing too. Like we, we got to pack it in while we're here and we need something to show for ourselves or something like that. But his point is actually like knowing that we only have 4,000 weeks should help us get clear on what we can say no to because we need to say no to things, including things that would be nice to have because we're alive for a short time. We're here for a good time, not for a long time. That's from some Canadian rock band. So if you find yourself routinely overwhelmed by your to-do list, it's time to either say no to some things on that list or we need to delegate or hire help. And this help can come in many forms, like a house cleaner, an administrative assistant, a video editor. Like We need to figure out how to take things off of our plate so that we can get focus. That focus is hard for us to get. 
And in order to get it, we kind of need to prune our lives. We need to take take things away. We need to have less going on. And then number two, number two in the recipe of how to make our lives light and easy is to break things down into smallest steps. I call this micro-tasking. This is also an executive function. Ah, but with practice, we can get better at this. The way it goes is that we break things down into the very small steps so that it's super obvious how to get started. And that makes things way easier to start. My rule of thumb here is that you have to make the first tasks as easy as possible. And they have to take less than two minutes. And you have to have 100% ability to succeed at them. That's what makes them easy. They're short and light and fast. And this creates the momentum and the dopamine we need to start fueling and revving our engines. So for example, open computer, open up doc titled X, reread what I wrote yesterday. Now I hear you, you might be saying, oh, no, please, no, I don't have time for that. I'm already overwhelmed. Honestly, I challenge you. I challenge you. If you are already overwhelmed, you need these small steps more than anything because your brain is saying, no, there's no way we can get started. There's no way we can do this. And the only way that you can change your brain's mind is to make it so easy that it's impossible not to be able to do it. These are instructions for a robot. A robot. A robot could do this. As you continue writing your small steps, make it so obvious that you could be on cruise control and not have to think at all about any of it. The third one, the third part of light and easy, this is so clutch for me, which is time boxing. In addition to time boxing, I put time limits on each small step. We thrive on urgency. ADHD brains love urgency, but we get caught up in perfectionism and time boxing handles both. It creates urgency because you're racing the clock. So you're getting dopamine. Things get done faster, which frees up time, which reduces overwhelm. And it interrupts that perfectionism because you don't have infinite time. You just have until the time runs out. And then you have to say, no, I'm done. That was good enough. That was the best I can do. Time's up. Time is up. And as a bonus, it interrupts our time blindness because we're measuring the time. So we're never going to say, oh, I don't know where the time went. The time slipped away. No, we gave ourselves 30 minutes to do it. And we know exactly where the time went. (laughs) We know exactly. So time blindness not a thing in time boxing. And I love that. I love that. I can, I can relax actually when I have the timer going. I mean, I'm racing the clock usually just for fun, but I can also relax in, in the sense that I can let go of that feeling that time is getting away from me or I'm not able to keep track of it. I'm not joking, you guys. I literally have a stopwatch by my side at all times And nothing, nothing gets done without setting a timer first. It's such a small, fun challenge for me to say, okay, let's see how much I can get done before time's up. And it's also, it's honestly a relief knowing, well, when time is up, I 
don't have to focus anymore. <laughs> I can be done. So the timer for me is, is real freedom. The fourth part of the recipe of how to make things light and easy is to make it fun. And I feel like this is kind of where my brain goes when I think light and easy. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's make it fun. Let, let's harvest that dopamine so that my brain can get into the zone. And, you know, it's hard to feel overwhelmed when we're having fun. That dopamine makes it easier for us to stay productive and focused because is that, that's what dopamine does. It helps us focus. It helps us learn. It helps us filter out distractions. It's some pretty good stuff, honestly. And we can harvest it on purpose. These are some of my favorite little ways that I make desk work fun in particular. So I talked about time boxing, which I like to call racing the clock because races sound fun to me. I have pre-planned rewards at certain intervals. I feel like I I just always need things to look forward to. I basically can't do anything even slightly challenging without thinking about what I'm going to get. <laughs> wow, that sounds kind of like... um I don't know. I could have judgments about that. But the truth is that it works. And I like to get into it. I like to get into thinking about all these little things that I can have to look forward to. So for me, I like to take these little dance breaks. There are these dance fitness videos on YouTube. I especially recommend the fitness marshal. He is just so much fun. I have always a big watch later list on YouTube and that's like just a great way to take a five, 10 minute break. I'm being real transparent here, but I do. I like to do fake online shopping where I add things to my cart and then don't check out and forget about them usually, but it's still fun. It's fun to, to collect things even if they're imaginary and of course there are snacks Ooh, I love my snacks I love even a little piece of chocolate or a really juicy glass of iced tea and you know these this is not just in my head this is there is actual scientific proof that these things increase dopamine so things like physical exercise things like snacking <laughs> healthy snacks in moderation but snacking uh shopping even if it's fake shopping these things all help with dopamine and honestly whatever helps me and doesn't hurt me i'm i'm here for it and in addition to rewards but also similar to rewards there's visualizing the payoff so how is this going to be so awesome when i finished how is this going to help me with my vision? How is this goal going to just make me feel so proud? How is doing this thing going to like make me feel freer, clear my mind, make my life better, help make other people's lives better? I know that it's particularly an ADHD thing to, to need a reason why, to need to know what the long-term benefit of our actions will be. I think, I'm not sure, but I, I guess that this is because we don't have the resting pool of dopamine that would allow us to just feel great about doing the thing for the sake of doing the thing. And I think a lot of neurotypicals have this built-in pool of dopamine that 
that makes tasks rewarding on their own without a payoff. But you and me, we need we need that payoff. And we need to know what it looks like, what it's going to feel like, and why it's going to be so good. So don't hesitate to really, really visualize what that's going to look like and, and know that it's going to be so juicy. And the fifth and last piece of the recipe for making it light and easy is to recognize that done is better than perfect. And when we do this, when we recognize that done is better than perfect, we recognize the good that we can do for ourselves or others by actually finishing the thing. (laughs) So for me, this idea is so powerful because when you really, really realize that when we let things be average, we stand a better chance of actually finishing things than when we expect them or need them to be perfect. And the truth is, the hard, hard truth is that something finished that can help yourself or other people is a million times better than something half-finished that would be perfect. A half-finished perfect thing that could help yourself or others but won't. I fell into this trap for so long. And honestly, I just feel like F that. Like, I feel a little defiant about perfect now. No, no way. I am not going to let that stand in my way anymore. I'm just going to finish. I'm, finishing is amazing. <laughs> Actually, finishing is my goal now. An average finish is amazing. F perfection. <laughs> Seriously, I'm over that. I am over that. So now I think about Let's make it 70%. That's average. The 70% rule allows us to make things that are average and finished. The other thing about 70% effort is if you give 100% of your effort, by definition, all of your effort is used up. If you give your everything to everything, you have nothing left. That's just math, people. (laughs) I mean, honestly, like, let's stop. Let's not give, let's not give our all. (laughs) What a toxic advice that was, you know, that, that hits on such a spot for us because we have a history of failures and mistakes and we hide behind perfect so that people won't see us make the same mistakes again. And my feeling is like, no, let me be a person full of mistakes who still gets to live a life that is all about action and creating results because perfect doesn't actually create results. Perfect creates a ton of rough drafts. Perfect creates amazing ideas that never come to fruition. Dreams that are dead in the water because those expectations are impossible. So I'm really like aiming to be so average these days. (laughs) Honestly, it's a struggle. It feels like uh, countercultural to what I learned growing up. Every day I have to remind myself to stop. Stop it. You are trying to be perfect. And honestly, it's not that I'm not getting criticized still. It's not that I'm not seeing people point out my flaws. I totally am. And I have to tell myself, Look, even though somebody saw your stupid mistake 
and they pointed it out and maybe they criticize you for it, it was still worth it because you produced something and you didn't just sit there and dream about it. And I give myself props for that. I give myself props for that, even if other people don't. There's so much vulnerability in deciding to be average, honestly. I mean, it sounds totally counterintuitive, but average can feel exposed. 70% means you, you made a bunch of mistakes. You didn't do it as well as you could. You made those quote unquote careless mistakes that everybody nags you for. You did that. I did that. And I'm, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. And I encourage you to be good with it too. So <laughs> that's the end of my rant. But moral of the story is done is really freaking better than perfect. And there's just so much evidence for that, that I want to uh, spread that gospel. And really, I want every ADHD year to, to aim for average. Let's, let's be so average. <laughs> and now it's time for the rescue recap. When it's sink or swim, remember these key takeaways. All right, so let me lay it down right. The cause of ADHD overwhelm is mostly our executive dysfunction. So that conductor who ought to be coordinating all of our musicians, the musicians that do prioritizing, that sequence tasks, that break down the steps, that dude, he's not around. (laughs) And that would be for neurotypicals, their invisible and often subconscious mental processes. We don't have those mental processes happening in the same way in the background. And so we need to externalize them and make them visible in our everyday life. And there are some really concrete ways to do that. And I break that down into a system. The first is we get all that shiz down on paper. We dump the contents of our brains and we see all of the things that are causing us overwhelm, we calendar what we can, we put on a to-do list the other things, and we just see it all very clearly. And then the second thing, once we see everything that's knocking around in our brains, we recognize that the feeling of overwhelm that is coming from that list is based in our thoughts. And our thoughts are not facts. The to-do list is neutral, and we are making judgments about that list. And they're not always helpful ones. They are stories that don't always support us in taking action. And so we can tell a different story. We can tell a story about how we're capable, about how we've done this in the past, about how we know how to take these things on. And we have a process for breaking things down into the smallest possible steps and tackling what really matters to us by constraining. So the third piece of the system is my ultimate favorite, which is what if this were light and easy? This question for me brings so much freedom and my brain will actually answer the question. So here are five particular ways that I like to make it light and easy. One is to constrain or prioritize. Remember, we have 4,000 weeks on this planet. What can we say no to? What can we delegate or hire out? 
What can we just take off our plate? What is going to move the needle and what is not going to move the needle on our ultimate biggest goals right now? Next, we break the thing down into its smallest steps. That means we microtask. These first steps take less than two minutes. They have a 100% success rate. So things like I open my computer, I pull out my materials, I reread my notes, I figure out where I was at, I write down the next five steps of what I need to do next. Microtasking is all about building momentum and building dopamine so that we sort of snowball our way into motion. And then next, one of my all-time favorite things is time boxing. Time boxing does this amazing thing for urgency. So I love to say, like, what can I get done within this amount of time? It creates urgency. It allows for time awareness, combats time blindness because we are keeping track of time. And it interrupts perfectionism because we've decided that we only have the amount of time that we set out for ourselves. We don't have infinite time to try to make something perfect. We have half an hour. And then let's make it fun. Part of light and easy is making it fun. And I, for one, am very motivated by any little small reward that I can think of to look forward to. I love my snacks. I love dance breaks. I love staring out the window and daydreaming. I love my little rewards that I have to look forward to. The other ways that I make it fun are that I race the clock, which is just time boxing, and I visualize the payoff. Like, it's gonna be so awesome when I finish this thing and, and then what? And then what's going to be so awesome about it? Why does this matter? What is the outcome that I'm so excited about? I really like to invoke that because it's so motivating. And without that resting pool of dopamine to sort of innately push us forward just by engaging with the task, without that dopamine, I need another source. I need to visualize what the point of all this is for and why I ought to use my precious focus and attention. And then lastly, recognize that done is better than perfect, aka F perfection. Let's go for average. Let's let's say that 70% is a win because you know what? It's done and we're never going to help ourselves or other people when we don't finish. Something halfway done that's perfect is honestly pretty useless. It might as well be an F. And the problem is, is it looks like an A, like if only we finished, but we won't because perfection by definition is unattainable. And when we hold on to these unattainable ideals for ourselves, we we really hold ourselves back and we guarantee procrastination. And honestly, I'm over that, over that nonsense. So SOS squad. My friends, that is how to end ADHD to-do list overwhelm. Next time we look at our to-do list, let's find a different way to navigate what is inherently so difficult for our brains. I really hope these tips helped you and I cannot wait to talk to you next time. Love you. Bye.